Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Project Next, the podcast that explores what's next in the world of brands, business, and culture. I'm your host, Brian Martin. Today, we're talking about social good, or better said, how purpose is changing the nature of business. Joining us is Ian Schaefer, who's the co-founder and CEO of Kindred. Kindred 2020 is a purpose-led business transformation event. It will be debuting in May at the San Diego Convention Center. Welcome, Ian. Thanks for having me, Brian. Ian, before Kindred, you were the founder and CEO of Deep Focus. You are an AAF Hall of Achievement recipient. You're an investor, advisor, frequent collaborator. What about all that caused you to launch Kindred? One of the other things that people who know me well would describe me as is um, a fixer, not in the Michael Cohen sense. <laughs> uh, but, if, but when I see something broken, right, I pretty much get obsessive about fixing it, right? And so one of the things that led me to deep focus was a lot of the things that I saw I mean, either wrong or that needed to be fixed um, within the advertising industry in the early 2000s, right? As the dawn of digital and the seeds were being planted for social were, were starting to sprout. You were a real pioneer in that space. Yeah. I mean, I just thought that everyone was very ill-prepared for that. And it took them a while to catch up. And I took advantage of that. And, you know, it's like the theory of relativity, right? Like we could feel like we were going five times as fast uh-huh. um, as everybody else. And, you know, I, I did that for 15 years, <laughs> so, right? And I tried to fix problem after problem inside the industry, you know, ranging from, you know, like obviously like how do we use social media to our advantage mm-hmm. um, to, you know, how do we solve the fast, good, cheap content paradox, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, and, and I think we did find solutions for a lot of those things. But at some point, I started realizing that there were inherent things about the system that were just unfixable from an agency perspective, right? And whether that was the relationship between clients and agencies or the fragmentation of media, there were certain things that were out of our control. Yeah. And as I looked kind of beyond that at like systemic issues, realized that there were deep systemic issues in society and with the planet. <laughs> right. And, and, and these are, these are like significant enough where like, I have to be aware that I, yes, I, I alone cannot fix those problems, but maybe it was the Gen Z in me that felt like I could actually take an action that would have a multiplier effect. And I realized that one of the ways to fix all of those problems that I spent morning, noon and night probably consuming in media um, because they're such compelling stories was that the best way to address those was bring people together who could address them um, and and get more synapses firing between them, create a marketplace of ideas and solutions of people, not just business leaders, right? Because if you look around and you look at every study, uh, people trust business to make more of an impact on things like the environment than they trust their own governments to do. Um, you know, you have Greta Thunberg speaking at the UN General Assembly, and everyone you know stops and 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 takes stock in themselves after that speech. But then, you know, a few weeks later, they had a climate summit, and nothing happened. Nothing changed. With all the sense of urgency that we have around it, nothing changed. Yet, yesterday, you know, Larry Fink at BlackRock, was, right? He wrote his annual letter, and Andrew Ross Sorkin wrote a nice profile about it in the New York Times. Um, and it really serves as a bellwether to 
you know, not just the financial industry, but all industries. And people are sitting up, not only taking notice, but are now in a position where they have to do something, right? Because they run the risk of losing money. So all of those problems that people got really worked up and emotional about, but at the end of the day, don't really do anything about, now we can look at those problems in a new, through a new lens, right? We can treat them as rational problems to solve, not because, and this is quite sad, not because it makes the world a better place, or not because it lifts people up out of poverty, or it brings uh, justice to the justice system, right? But it actually makes money, right? And when you when you look at business and talk to business and say like we have a decision that I think you should make, and you make it emotional, it becomes a debate in the boardroom. If you make it rational, it becomes a yes, right? Well, that's the challenge people are running into because even when there was the business roundtables announcement sure. back in August. Yep. And even that met a lot of resistance. Yes. And that, you know, that was 180 of like top CEOs in the world mm -hmm. standing up and saying, we're no longer going to be beholden to stockholder value. It's going to be about shareholder good now. Right. And that met a lot of resistance because it's hard to quantify a lot of those measures. It is. It, well, it's hard to quantify the short-term ROI. Right. Right. But I think we've all seen what happens when you focus too relentlessly on short-term ROI. Right, it, you you wind up making decisions in the short term that are at the expense of the long term value. And if you look at how businesses are valued now, and frankly have been for the last several years, with Amazon being a leader in this, you know, we look at the the potential that these companies have over you know potentially a ten year period and what they can return to investors. And it's why you now have things literally like the long term stock exchange. Right, which exists to really focus people's attention on the long-term impacts that these companies can deliver, not just for investors, but to their employees, their yeah. communities, the environment. Right. So, um, and and of course their customers. So th this is now, I think, a, an awakening that you know, kind of the Milton Friedman school of economics, um, not literal one, but the the. The theoretical right, one, right. you know, is that the profits don't solve problems themselves. Right. It takes people to make decisions, right? And so I think that's that's what we're just trying to consider. We're trying to show that, hey, not only is the water warm, not only has the risk been mitigated in terms of taking action on areas that you should feel good about taking action on, but it's in the best financial interests of your company and your investors to do this. And you should be rewarded for that. And that's a fairly new dynamic because yes. I recall going back to like Al Gore with his film back in the early 2000s about the crisis of climate and laughing as like people showed up in one limousine after another to go see the premiere of that and realizing like what that's doing to our environment right. just having all those cars out there and yet it began to really change people when gen z and millennials started buying brands based on the values of the company, not just the product attributes in the products that they were buying. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I mean, look at the title of that film. It was an inconvenient truth, right? right? And right. so like, we're now in a, at a time when the conversation, A, has changed, but so is the calculus, right? And now like these truths can be quite convenient. You know, frankly, if you want to look around for crises, you don't have to look just to, you know, the, the bushfires in Australia, right? I mean, you look to you know, the opioid crisis, right? You look to really, frankly, the justice reform crisis um, that's happening. You look at uh, mental health, right? These are all things that, you know, they're crises, not because they're a crisis all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> They've been crises for a very long Equal time. Equal pay, men and women. like. But it's funny, you, you, you ask, um, there, there are many venture capitalists, for example, that you can ask right now. And it's like, where are they looking to invest money? 
Um, I think one of the top five areas that they'd probably tell you is is ripe for investment is mental health, right? Yeah. Um, because you know it is it is one of those issues that is such a major problem, but has been latent for so long because of the stigmas associated with it. But now that culture has changed, now that you know people feel that it's okay to talk about this stuff, that makes it more likely that they will seek help, and that opens up a market that again, yeah, has been latent and nascent you know, for providing those kinds of services. And from, you know, from meditation apps, I literally, I was watching the debate last night and there was this absolutely beautiful 30 second spot for calm. You're right. That was literally just pretty much like running water. Um, (laughs) And it was just like, literally, I'm like, this is exactly what I need during this debate, right? Yeah. Like this is, um, you know, and, and and that is a very highly valued business calm because a lot of people pay for that, right? And so um, again, it's, I think, uh, simple um, cultural awakenings around a lot of this stuff leads to normalization, which leads to a path to revenue, which of course, hopefully leads to a path to profitability. And I think, you know, we're seeing that happen more and more in lots of different areas, which is why Kindred 2020 is not just a event for sustainability in the environmental sense, it's an event for sustainability and for impact in all kinds of different areas, which is, you know, again, I think part of what is going to make it so interesting, um, but also is obviously part of what makes it so complex. There's so many elements to this. How do you boil it down for a conference? Yeah. So um, I look at this whole, if you want to call it a movement towards purpose, right, you can. I think that, again, that looks at it as an emotional equation, but we really need to turn this into a rational conversation, right? And so not making people feel like it's been de-risked, but feel like the upside is tangible and that it can be there. And it is quite similar to the early 2000s when I started Deep Focus, you know, where we were talking about digital transformation being the great disruptor, right? So all of these companies who are new we're disrupting the business of the companies who are not new. In a way that nobody had ever really done before. Including because they were venture-backed and did not have to deliver the same kind of profitability as, say, like a big uh, CBG company would right. have to. Everybody so, felt we could monetize it in the, down the road. Yeah, right. Um, we, we know better now a little <laughs> bit, right? But that said, you know... Here we are in 2020, and now P&G has like P&G Ventures, right? So right. a lot of these companies have now realized that digital transformation, I remember when this was happening, IT thought it was their job. You know, what we eventually realized that, okay, a chief digital officer is not the solution. It is the CEO's job to ensure that the entire company transforms around this from IT to HR, including marketing, right? And so the same thing holds true for purpose. I think purpose has now like been a real big disruptor for all companies, right? Just like digital, if you don't embrace it and go on the offense with it, it will find you. When Nike, you know, stands behind Colin Kaepernick, they're rewarded for it, you know, in their market cap. However, when they make a misstep, right? Yeah. Such as like, you know, with an athlete, you know, who they dropped um, during her pregnancy, right? Like that right. is... They, they get penalized for it, but that is how things should work. Yes. Right? And so, um, but at the end of the day, like the behaviors that you take as a company, that becomes what you're known for as long as you're consistent, right? And we're just trying to say that, hey, like this disruption is, is happening no matter what. And it is no longer just the head of corporate social responsibility's job. It is the head of marketing's job. It's the head of HR's job. It's the head of finance's job and 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 all of their support teams. And I think, you know, part of what I want Kindred 2020 to be is an education process. And it's a start of one, 
but it's getting people to understand not just the applied empathy of it all. Again, like, because that could easily be taken into inspiration porn True. territory. Yeah, I get um, it. We need to teach people actually like how to work um, and how to work in this environment in the same way that we had to teach people how to work in a digital environment. And it, I was thinking when you were just mentioning digital before how there was a generation that kind of grew up and started becoming the CEOs right. who came from a digital world. And suddenly that's when the organizations finally realized everything's digital. Digital is no longer a differentiator. It's just the way everybody does business now. Yeah. And you remember now, now look, look, even the, the platforms, the big tech companies have trouble holding on to talent because of the values that they espouse in their decisions. That, that fight, especially for younger talent, Gen Z and, and Gen Alpha talent, which are coming up right sure. behind them, oh, right? Yeah. That battle is going to be won on the values battlefield. True. Especially yeah. we're going to be facing a major data and privacy reckoning. Right. And these companies are not going to be in a great position to deal with that. But I think lots of other companies will be in a good position to deal and with that. And do you consider data and privacy as part and parcel of the purpose movement? I think I think it will be. I, I think when you think about data and privacy, who's more likely to pay for things with their data and privacy? People with money or people without money? Right. Or with le less money, let's right. say, right? And so it's going to disproportionately affect people with less money. And like they should not have to pay for the things that they get with their identity, while people with money can afford to block all of that stuff. Um, and I think that's why we're having like all of this regulatory conversation um, in Congress right now. Google had to take a stance with Chrome on this issue. Most important browser in America, if not the world, right? Like they were saying like, we're going to be phasing out cookies. The effect that that has on millions of dollars worth of spending businesses billions of yeah. dollars worth of spending and and thousands of businesses and the stock market is really consequential and i think that you know if we aren't careful decisions in a lot of these other areas will be so consequential negatively you know that more people than you think are going to suffer from them but not if we take again not if we start playing offense with this and i think kindred 2020 is about playing offense in all of these issues to prevent the downside from happening, but also to maximize the upside potential that can be had when you do, in fact, make the right decisions the first time. So your idea to start Kindred, was it an idea to start a conference? Was it an idea to start a media platform for purpose? Like where, how did this happen? The idea was born out of a question, which was how do I get more people to make more of the right decisions? And this, again, right decisions for the bottom line, as right. well as the right decisions for everybody else. For culture. Yeah. yeah. So however I could get there, I was going to get there, right? <laughs> and um, I wound up meeting my co-founder, a gentleman by the name of Anil Agarwal, who had created really important events for certain industries like Money 2020. Shop which, Talk, did he And do? Shop Talk, yeah. right? And so these are more than just events, though. They are communities. They're mm -hmm. communities of people who convene at least once a year to meet and do more business with each other. And I looked at those models and I said, wow, like those are, A, like very capital efficient models. So you don't have to spend a lot of money to have a lot of impact come out of that just because, again, you're taking advantage of the network effect that you create of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I just felt that, you know, especially as we were inundated and spent so much with social media and spent so much time on our screens, that being together physically, um, I know there's all that talk about like millennials and experiences and whatnot. And I think like that's gotten like super cliche. But again, like physical gatherings continue to be scarce. 
Right. Right. Like as we spend more time communicating digitally, obviously like time is absolute. We're not making any more time. So the more uh, opportunities we can give people to connect physically in real life, um, in high value situations where, again, like the upside is obvious, I think those will be valuable, more valuable yeah. in the future. Scarcity drives value. And I think you know, that it just made all the sense in the world to me to do something that I'd never done before, which is create a large scale event. Thankfully, you know, I have a co-founder who is one of the best in the world at doing that. Um, and so between the two of us, um, I think we're, we're, we're going to build something very special. You've got a good lineup already. I just saw you sign Chance the Rapper is going to yes. be speaking. Yes. Who are some of your other stalwart speakers? Yeah, sure. So we are, um, we, you know, we're going to have, at the, at the risk of like kind of going to name names. I mean, Chance, I'm very happy to name Chance's right. name. Yeah, he's he's, he's a star the right and, person for the audience. And and the work that he's done both as a professional and as part of his nonprofit um, social works is has been just absolutely incredible. Um, but we're, we're lucky to have companies who are really in the conversation, again, willingly or unwillingly, um, you know, from, you know, OGs like Ben and Jerry, right, who've been doing this from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, Ben and Jerry's yesterday issued a statement on war with Iran. Really? Yeah, like, they've I, always been aggressive on those fronts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, it's I expect them to do something around justice reform in the context of like cannabis legalization, like that makes that makes sense. But here they are, like weighing in on conflict in Iran, right? And and I love them for that, right? That's just who they are. They're they're unabashed, unashamed. Um, we'll have their CEO there talking about that. Um, to that extent. You know, we'll have the chief sustainability officer of Unilever speaking as well. Um, and so they're really an activist business. And I think they are, you know, a great example of someone who's been doing this for a while. So none of this is news for them. But we'll also have folks like, um, you know, the B Labs. We're a B Corp. I mean, we're, at least we're B Corp pending. We're still very new. But um, we've done all the things we need to do to be a B Corporation. And um, people would be surprised at who else is a B Corporation. Obviously, like Patagonia is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but so are companies like Danone. And you wouldn't think okay. that like Danone makes yeah. plastic water bottles, right? right. But, but they are they're on this journey, and I think which is why we're looking at this as transformation, so we can give people and companies like the B Labs companies, like Ben and Jerry's, like Uber and Lyft, who will also be there, you know, to um, companies like um, Warner Media, right, and HBO. Yes, they're not in the the product selling business, so the, they don't yeah, need that kind of put footprint. Put them in that space, but they they also we you know are a big part of the the conversation, and they're creating moments in time that change the way that people talk about certain things, including or especially mental health. You think about like how many shows have addressed mental health on HBO True. over the last years, like whether it's the therapist plot, subplot in The Sopranos right. to a show yeah. about therapy right. called In Treatment, right? To Six Feet Under, to um, the OCD subplot in Girls, right? So they, they have been really not only great, but responsible in framing those issues for people um, and have only gotten better at that over the last year. So they'll be actively involved too. So we're, we're just, it will be just a really wonderful experience for people to hear from, uh, again, companies and again, some of them who are unexpected, who are really taking this bull by the horns um, and doing something about things. And again, rationalizing that those decisions and saying that they're, again, not only good for the morale of the company, but also great for the bottom line. Like you get to hear from Gillette Right about why they've decided to take on toxic masculinity. Yeah, um, true. That was and, a bold move. And there me. is a great story behind it that I won't spoil. You'll have to hear it at Kendra 2020. Okay. Um, but there is a why, and then there was a second why. 
And I think the second why might be surprising to people. And it was something that I had heard and was so inspired by that they were one of the first phone calls that I made. Awesome. That's great. I can't wait to hear that story. So this is Project Next. And so you're talking a lot about what's next, but what's next overall for purpose? Like after your conference is over and after you're another year or two into this, like what do you see the next big milestone happening in this space? So, I mean, we can go back to the digital transformation parallel and Mm -hmm. look at it with kind of, you know, just more hindsight now, especially since it's 2020. Um, (laughs) So I think what we know is that First comes the talk of that we need to do this. Then comes all the attempts at doing this. And we learn what works and what doesn't. Then you get to the conversation, right? So how do we measure its effectiveness? Yes, that's a tough one. And I think that is where the conversation is going to be going. Like, How do we measure our investment in these things and prove that it was the right thing to do? So there is an entire track at Kindred 2020 that's going to be dedicated to having those conversations. So how do you measure, A, the impact on every effort on the problem that you're trying to address? Right. But also, how do you measure its impact on your bottom line? We're we're going to be equating purpose and performance. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, on a go-forward basis, how do you reconcile those two things? Um, And we're going to learn a lot about that in the next decade. And I think you know, that's the journey that we will be on. Of course, what will wind up happening, again, if the digital journey was anything to um, any indicator, is that you'll have companies that pop up to accelerate that right. performance. Right. You'll have companies pop up that you know purportedly automate right. <laughs> that <laughs> performance. Yeah. Um, right. And we have to be like careful about all of that stuff um, because this isn't about manipulating ROI. True. Um, there are real world consequences for this, unlike, right. you know, um, no offense to maybe myself, but like marketing, right? Which like sometimes, you know, there is a, like a feel good like aspect to this. So when like a state street advisors puts, you know, a fearless girl out in front of the stock exchange, in front of that bull, um, everyone feels really good about that decision until you look more closely at the numbers and you realize they paled in comparison to their competition when it came to gender equity inside of their own company. Right. So yes. that needs to be reconciled. And I hope they're on that journey to reconciling that. Yeah. Um, so it cannot be window dressing. Right. I think we, we know that. I think that continues to be a plot device designed to distract us from the main issue. But I think now it's about systemic solutions. Well, Kindred 2020 is coming up in early May in San Diego. I'm looking forward to being there. Sounds like it's going to be a fascinating conference. Thank you for coming here today, Ian. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of Project Next. Until next time, I'm Brian Martin.